Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. I'm the pastor and it's a privilege and honor to be here and to um, speak the word of God to you tonight. And for those of you in lockdown, isolation, whether you are sick or isolating, we're praying for you. And if you're isolating with your husband or your wife, hopefully this relationship series that we went through is beneficial there at home and you guys are practicing and working through all of those stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, we hope you put that word into practice. But uh, we're done with that. And for the sermon tonight, we're going to speak about eternal food and living water. But before I dive in, let me just quickly pray for us. Yes, Lord, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, Father, that we know, Lord, what you expect of us, Father. We know where to go for purpose, Lord, for fulfillment, for fullness, Lord. We know who you are, Lord, and how you relate to us, Lord. And we pray, Father, that your word might bear much fruit, and I thank you, Jesus, for the example that you set us, and again set us, Lord, in this portion of scripture that we're going to go through tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one working inside of us to accomplish the will of the Father. May we willingly yield, Lord, like Rowan said, Lord, be quick to obey. And it comes to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So guys, when we're speaking about eternal food and living water, I want to ask us a question before we dive into the sermon tonight. And the question simply is, where do you go, what do you do, or where do you get fullness from? Where do you get sustenance from? What sustains you? What satisfies you? What gives you fulfillment? What gives you fullness of joy? And one of those things that you are busy with this thing or doing this thing or experiencing something and you're like, okay, but this is what I was made to do. This is what I was made to do. This, this gives me a fullness, a satisfaction. I understand this, that this is what God has made me for. And then another question, you know, when it comes to us spiritually, what sustains you? What feeds you? What gives you sustenance? Now there's two answers to the question. There's the, the Sunday school one, which is obviously the right one. But then there's the reality one. Simple question to ask ourselves. You can look back on this past month and you can ask yourself, okay, but if it is true for me, then I know that spiritual discipline sustain, feed, and grow me in Christ. Spending time in the Word as the Holy Spirit ministers to me. Spending time in prayer, spending time in fellowship. You know, that's spiritual disciplines that we see in Scripture. I know that that sustains me. I have the knowledge that that is what Scripture tells me. But when I look back at reality, is that true of my life? Did I spend the moments that I had for myself, the time that I did have to sustain myself through the word, through prayer and through fellowship? Was that true of my life? You see, the problem we many times have is we have knowledge but no conviction. We know something to be true in our heads, but it struggles to drop down to our hearts, you know, to understand it, to experience the fullness of it. And we're going to go through one of those spiritual disciplines tonight, not one that I've already mentioned, but when many times missed as a spiritual discipline and actually misinterpreted many times, seen as something that many times drains us. This thing drains us. It doesn't sustain, it doesn't feed, it doesn't fill me. It's actually something difficult for me to go and do. But scripture tells us now when we do this, when we live this out, this is what sustains. This is, that gives a kind of joy that we cannot explain. You have to experience it to understand what we mean by it. And we're going to go through that. You know, and the world gives us a lot of ideas of what should sustain, fulfill, 
and make us happy. Even some places that call themselves the church also have some interesting ideas. It's basically the same idea that the world sells us, the next job opportunity, that work that you do, that paycheck, that next relationship, that next party you're going to go through, that next overseas vacation, the next place that you're going to move to, maybe that will sustain. Maybe that will fulfill. Maybe that will bring joy. And then the places that call themselves the church, they just say, hey, if you worship God in a certain way and sow these seeds of blessing into the ministry, then God will also give you what the world says you need. It's the same thing, just through a different avenue. And it's not blessed, you know, unless God gives you a lot of money. Only the money God gives will make you happy. And it's funny sometimes when we get a lot of strange ideas of what truly brings fulfillment, what truly brings rest, what truly sustains and what truly fills us. And I don't want to make a statement from the beginning. I don't know if you've maybe experienced this as well, but we spend time in the Word sometimes and we spend time in prayer and we spend time in fellowship, yet there's a sustenance that we don't quite experience as we should. Something's missing. It doesn't work as it should. And we lose our passion for the Word of God and we lose our passion for prayer and for fellowship because the sustenance that we should get just simply, I don't know, something isn't there. And it's as if, you know, reading the Word is going through the recipe. You want to make a sandwich. And you're reading through the Word seeing how can I make the sandwich? What is God's recipe for it? And we spend time in prayer and we put it into the oven. Well, not the sandwich. I don't know what kind of sandwiches you make, but it says something else. And in prayer, you place that thing into the oven, you have fellowship, and the table is set. But the meal just never got eaten. The sustenance just isn't quite there. There's something missing. And we're going to look at what that is tonight. Yes, there's fulfillment in all of those things, but this specific thing that Jesus speaks of here and tries to tell the disciples that can only be experienced and understood if you do it yourself. That's what we're going to speak about tonight. And Jesus uses two worldly examples, two worldly needs that we have. He uses the need that we have for thirst, water, and the need that we have that we get hungry, we need to eat, to show to the disciples a spiritual truth. And it's quite a long passage. We're going to read John 4 from verse 5 to 42. So sit back and relax it and see these two examples that Jesus uses to show us a spiritual reality. And Jesus doesn't try to explain it in depth. Yes, there's a lot of truths that's in this passage of Scripture. But when it comes to these things that Jesus is explaining, it doesn't go a lot into detail and into depth. But he invites us to experience what he experiences. He says it's something that you can only understand if you do it yourself. You know, if you're hungry at the moment and I explain to you how I ate Bryflays last night, you're not going to say, oh, thank you. That did it for me. I'm full now. You also have to go and eat. And the same is true of this thing that Jesus is explaining in this passage. So let's read together. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sakar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, that's twelve o'clock. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciple had gone away into the city to buy food. And there we see these two examples. The water that the woman is going to come and draw and the food that the disciples are going to go and buy. And Jesus is going to use this to show us beautiful spiritual truth. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. 
Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Everyone that want to fulfill themselves with what the world offers will have to go back again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I don't need to be thirsty or have to come here again to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And something that we need to note here, whenever the woman realizes, okay, wait, this man is a prophet. He knows what's going on in my life. He knows what I'm dealing with. He knows what I'm going through. She throws dead religion at Jesus, saying, you know, I also went to church once that time. And I was also baptized when I was little, trying to put up a facade of religion to Jesus. And whenever that happens tonight, don't do that. Allow God to do what only he can come and do. Our fathers worshiped from this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to a woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left the water jar and went away into the city and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I have ever did. Can this be the Christ? So they went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes, and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Wonderful passage of Scripture, and we see Jesus using these two examples. And then in verse 42, 
we see what it looks like when knowledge turns to conviction. When faith abounds. And I hope and pray that for us that has happened in, when it comes to who Jesus is as a person. It's not because someone told me their testimony. Yes, that led me to Jesus. That led me to come and see for myself. Yes, there was a sermon. Yes, there was a video. Yes, there was a song. And that led me to Jesus. But I no longer believe because of that. But I have seen for myself and have come to believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And I pray that as we speak about what we're going to speak about tonight, that also turns into conviction and not just knowledge. So Jesus uses two examples. We see them here in verse 10 and in verse 32. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that he's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 32. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Yeah, and one thing that we see in this passage is, you know, the spiritual blindness of man. Yes, it's evident we need the grace of God and the Holy Spirit to come and show us what we need to know. But it's not because, you know, the disciples were carnal in mind. You know, these people are just so focused on the flesh. Can't they be just a little bit more spiritual, you know, thinking that we would have understood what Jesus said. Or oh, the woman, you know, she's not spiritual at all. She's coming to get water. We drink water. We eat. Something that we do. But what is explained here is that we need Jesus to come and show us certain truth. And what Jesus is saying is just like we have a physical hunger, just like we have a spiritual hunger as well, just like we have a, a physical thirst, so we have a spiritual thirst as well. And just like as we eat and partake of something, it satisfies us in a way, there's a spiritual reality that satisfies us as well. And just like we drink water and we, our thirsts, now that gets fulfilled, that gets satisfied. So the, true, the same is true for our spiritual well-being. And to focus firstly on living water and to ask us the question as well, you know, as people, do you constantly have a spiritual need? Saying to yourself, but I'm empty again. I need something again. Yes, I went to this different party, this different relationship on another vacation, another job inquiry, but yet again, I still have the same need. I found myself to be thirsty yet again. The void and the need just isn't fulfilled as it should be. Yeah, and as we look at life, you get two types of people. You get the sprinters. They're constantly running past the fact that they have a spiritual need. There's a thirst in them. There's a hole in them. There's something that isn't satisfied, but they don't want to sit still because then they're confronted with that void. I was one of those people. Always chasing the next party, the next relationship, the next thing. But I just don't want to sit still because then I'm confronted with the emptiness. I'll rather go to, to Gert and try and do what I think Gert finds funny or interesting because then at least I'm not confronted with the emptiness that is in myself. And maybe as we're speaking through this, you can see for yourself who you were or maybe who you are at the moment. Are you the runner constantly running past the problem of the void that is in you? And then you get the person that sits and they're very much aware that something's not right. From a young age, you always see those people depressed, always sad, always complaining about life. Stuff isn't just quite working as it should. There's something that I need. And the problem is they just don't know what Jesus has to offer. Very much aware that something's wrong. They just don't know how to fix it. And I don't know who you are, but for both answers, it's the same. 
And that is that Jesus gives living water. And there's a beautiful truth that we see here in verse 10. And that is that Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And what Jesus is saying here, you don't have living water, not because God is withholding it from you. That is not the reason. It's not because you don't make the cut. It's not because you're not good enough. Like we many times say, you know, I don't deserve God's grace. Grace is something that is not deserved. You cannot deserve grace. It's the reason why Jesus came. For the grace of God to be poured out on us. That is the reason grace exists. Because we don't deserve. Because we are not worthy. Because we don't quite measure up. And Jesus wants to come and give us that living water. And he's saying, yeah, if you knew the gift of God, and you know who was asking you, if you knew the love and the kindness and the grace of God, that is Jesus Christ, you would have asked and he would have given to you. And to place ourselves in the shoes of the woman. She's coming at 12 o'clock in the day. It's not the time to draw water at the well. It's warm then. The women normally went together and they went early in the morning or late in the day. When the sun was not that hot to go and draw water, but she's going alone, 12 o'clock in the day, because she's despised and rejected by the community. Nobody even wants to look at her, yet alone talk with her. Rejected by everyone. And Jesus says, the reason why you don't have living water is simply because you're unwilling to ask. But if you ask me, I will give it to you. What a beautiful thing. That takes us to point number one tonight. Jesus gives living water to all who asks. Jesus gives living water to all who asks. And this is an important point for both the unbeliever and the believer to understand. It keeps the unbeliever from living water because they think they're not deserving of it. They think God won't give it to them because of what I've done. It's the reason you need it because of what you've done. It's the reason I need it. It's the reason Jesus came. If we were worthy of it, if we deserved it, then Jesus would not have come and laid down his life for us. We are in desperate need of grace. But then again, it's also something that the believer needs to understand. Because you see, the disciples approach the scene and they are astounded. Jesus is speaking to a woman. Some translations, they say, such a woman. A woman that needs to come 12 o'clock at the day because she's rejected by her community and then it's a Samaritan. Astounded that Jesus is speaking with this woman. But in light of the fact that Jesus spoke to them and called them, it should have made sense. Shouldn't it? And as believers, we go there so often, you know, looking at someone or thinking about someone and thinking that they are too far. God can't reach them or God can't speak to them or God can't work through them. But when we think to ourselves, but God spoke to me and God saved me. So it makes a lot of sense that he would be speaking to them. And the fact that anyone of us is saved means that anybody can get saved. The day that God saved the first man, it made it available that all can be saved because none deserved it. We read in Ephesians 2, we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we walked following the prince of the power of the air that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, carrying out the nature of our passion and flesh and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy, when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. 
That's all of us. Some of us weren't spiritually sick and just needed some medicine. We all were spiritually dead and needed God to come and make us alive again. And the fact that he speaks to me, the fact that he works through me, the fact that he saved me means that he can speak and work and save anybody on this planet. And the moment we miss that, we are keeping ourselves from eternal food. The moment we think that only some can be saved, we're missing it. And I want to tell you, you know, if you recently saved or you've done stuff in your life and you've experienced somebody looking at you like that because the disciples didn't say anything. But I bet they, their eyes spoke a thousand words as they looked at this woman, astounded by the fact that Jesus is speaking to her. And if you've experienced that, have grace with us. Because that could have been me. Could have been anyone in this building. Give yourself a month or a year and it might be you. We went into that place of pride so easily, thinking that we are high and mighty and so holy, thinking that we contribute something to our salvation. But by the grace of God, he comes and reminds us again that that is not the case. So if you've experienced that, sorry for that, just know it might happen again. Have grace with them, knowing that you might do the same. So it's important for us to understand so that the unbeliever can come and drink of living water. I don't deserve this. That is why I come. That is grace. That is God's love poured out for me. But also for the believer to keep him from eternal food. And there's another one, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. So let's quickly turn to the food that Jesus spoke about. Verse 31 to 34. And when I read through this, I laugh. You know, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And at the office, me and Selna, we always make jokes. You know, it's like, imagine this, because Jesus sent them to go get food. Eh? Because they're hungry. So imagine I'm asking you, hey, why don't you quickly go make me a cup of coffee? You go make a cup of coffee, you come back, and I tell you, no thank you, I have coffee to drink that you don't know about. It's might have think this heat is getting to Jesus. He must eat now. But Jesus is trying to make the point and illustrate something to them, and they were a bit confused. They said to themselves, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And Jesus is not saying food is not important, you know, and the more spiritual you get, the less you have to eat or drink. Now he's trying to explain to the disciples, just as we're going to eat this food, and there's something inside of us, a hunger that we need to satisfy. Something just happened, and I just experienced something that gives me greater joy, greater fulfillment, and greater satisfaction in what we are about to do. It fulfills me more than we are about to eat and drink. And that is about it that Jesus says. He doesn't try to explain it any further to them, this feeling of fulfillment or satisfaction, but he invites them to experience it with them. We need to do this in order to experience it. It's like someone saying, hey, this new burger has just arrived. And they're explaining to you this burger and how it tastes. And nobody goes, oh, you explained it so well, I don't even think I need to go get it myself. I know precisely what you mean. And the same is true when it comes to this thing that Jesus is speaking about. And so he invites the disciples along to experience this. And as he explains to them what it is, very specific about what the will and the work of God is that he is to accomplish. Very, very specific. And it's in a broad sense. And yes, God has called many of us to do many different things. But there's one thing that we're all called to do. And one thing that will satisfy. One thing that will fulfill. 
And that is the following. Jesus inviting us as he's dividing the disciples as we read through this. He says, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. And Jesus is telling them the fact that we just walked to the outskirts of where we are to go. The boundaries that God has said to me to walk to the outskirts. To encounter one woman rejected by community that they don't even want to look at, let alone speak to. To come here and to give her living water. That fulfills me in a way that I cannot explain to you that you need to experience for yourself. Now that is a wonderful thing. And as they experienced it, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 5 verse 14. And he says the love of Christ compels us. This is not a difficult thing. This is not something that just totally depletes me, that drains me. Now this is what I live for. We read in Matthew 11, Jesus saying, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my burden upon you. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And it's like, Lord, this doesn't make sense. Work with you and we will rest. And he says, yes, come and see. And from the, the day that me and my wife were saved, there's something that we have experienced and we can truly, truly it is so. And we get to places, you're putting the kids in bed, stuff happens, you're like, yo, we're tired. And then someone comes over and you break open the gospel to them or people that came to salvation and they're sharing their story with you and just like, this is amazing. And when they go home, we're like, yo, we're energized. Maybe they shouldn't come at night because they're not going to struggle to sleep. If the kids had a bad night, they must come from five to six in the morning. Then you have energy for the day. But it just fulfills like nothing else can. And whether you're introvert or extrovert, it doesn't matter. I've seen it again and again as people go out and there's nothing that quite fulfills and sustains like this. This is how you eat that meal because inevitably the, re the recipe, the word of God will lead you to this. Inevitably, that is where you will end up. Go and make disciples. Go and proclaim the message of the gospel. There's no way to read scripture and not arrive at that point. That is where it will lead you. There is no way to spend time in prayer and to say, Lord, my will, shift that aside, Lord, but your will, let it come to the front, Lord, and let that be done. And Jesus is going to say, go. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. There's no way to do fellowship right and not have a compelled heart to go out and reach the lost. If we do it publicly, that will always be the result. And many times when that is lacking, we don't get the sustenance that we need. We lose our passion. We lose our fire. And it makes sense. Because in a way it's disobedience. You know, that is what God has called us to do. And I cannot say I'm following God wholeheartedly, but I'm not doing this. And God says this will not drain you. This will not deplete you. This will actually sustain and feed you. This is eternal food. For eternal life. And it's not saying that we won't experience hardships, you know, living water always inside of us. We'll never thirst, never hunger again. But it's saying it's something that nobody can take away from you. The fact that the Holy Spirit is inside of you and the fact that you are gathering up fruit for eternal life, nobody can take that away from you. That will always be there. 
And that is a joy that you have to experience. It's not something someone can explain to you. You must go and buy the burger for you to know what it means. You know, and the woman at the well, she understood this and she got this quite quickly. Took her one conversation with Jesus and she experienced both. Living water welling up inside of her and she running to go and tell the community about Jesus. One conversation. Doesn't take a lot. You don't need to go through extensive training to get this right. You just simply need to be quick to obey, like Rowan said. This takes us to point number two. Our food is to proclaim to all who thirst that living water is found in Jesus alone. Our food is to proclaim to all who thirst that living water is found in Jesus alone. And one of the keys that we also need to understand when it comes to this point, the first one we said that keeps the believer from this eternal food is the fact that we think only some can get saved. The second is, and we read that in verse 38, that Jesus said, I sent you. I sent you. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And many times we don't believe that we are sent and therefore we don't go. But in that same passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, speaking about the message of reconciliation, Paul says, God saved us and gave us the message of reconciliation. It happens together. When you are saved, you are sent. The very same day God saves you, he sends you. What a wonderful truth. To know that God's hand is not too short to save, but he desires for people to come to salvation. He's telling us, lift up your eyes. The field's are ready. And I'm sending you, I'm going with you. Verse 21, Paul says, we're ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of God, be reconciled to Christ. What a wonderful thing. That God works this through us. But we need to go and spread the message of salvation. I want to ask us one question tonight as we end off. Are you eating this eternal food? Are you eating this eternal food? Because the sustenance will then be there. And Jesus is asking us as a church simply to look. Lift up your eyes. Look. And through this time that we are going through, I don't know if we realize many times the effect, the uh, impact the lockdowns have had on us. How more intentional we have to be to get out. To reach out to the people around us. Jesus says, lift up your eyes. Look. In Matthew 9, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. So as a church, let's Lift up our eyes. Let's look. Let's stand and pray together tonight. <coughs> yes, Lord, thank you that we can come before you tonight, Lord. And as a church, Lord, I firstly come and repent, Lord. For our lack, Lord, and many times just turning inwards, Lord, and many times having that eyes that the disciples had, Lord, not saying anything, Lord, but the way we look, Lord, saying a lot. Forgetting, Lord, that the fact that you saved us means that anyone can be saved. The fact that you speak to us, Lord, would make sense, Lord, that you speak to anyone. We want to come and repent of that, Lord. But secondly, Father, as a church, we want to say, Lord, we want to be very intentional, Lord, when it comes to eating, Lord eternal food to go and do the will of him who sent us Lord and tonight if you are standing here and you're struggling to believe that you are sent you can know now because that was the word of God being read I sent you 
God sends you. You are sent. The day that you were saved, you were sent. And if you're here tonight and you're realizing once again that maybe the eating of the eternal food doesn't come so naturally, doesn't come so often, something that maybe you weren't been, haven't been intentional enough, having been quick to obey. If that is you, just there where you stand, won't you just repent and turn to God. Say, Lord, I'm, forgive me, Father, for being slow to obey. But I'm ready, Lord, to look and to see the fields are white for harvest, Lord. Send me to those that need to hear that Jesus gives living water. That is, you just there where you stand. Why don't you just pray to God? And if you're here tonight, maybe you've, you've lost that eternal water that Jesus gives. Maybe you haven't never experienced it. There's always been a hunger. There's always been a thirst. And Jesus is saying to you tonight, if you ask me, I will give it to you. That you have to know who God is and what He what He gives. He gives eternal life. And for you to receive that life, you're going to have to lay down yourself, take up your cross and follow Him. But oh, what a joy and what a journey that will be. But you have to also understand that He is a loving Father, sending a loving Son to die because He loves you. And He's willing to give you that water. So if you are here tonight and you've never experienced that, don't you just lift up your voice to God. Just there where you stand. Just ask, Lord, give me this water. Come and well up inside me, Holy Spirit, to eternal life. Just in your own words, won't you pray to God? Yes, Lord, as prayers are going up tonight, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for the fact that you saved us, Lord, that you came and spoke to us, Lord that you're leading us, Lord, that you work through us. What a thought, Lord. Amazing grace, Lord. How can it be? How can it be, Lord? You're working through us, Lord. What a thought. May we always stand in awe, Father, and may that song that we sang, Lord, be true, Lord. Glorify your name. And may we be intentional, Father, in going showing to a world that is thirsty, Lord. That Jesus offers living water and it can be found nowhere else. There is one name given under heaven by which men must be saved and that is the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen.